0: Welcome to the well Rapids Message of the Week. We hope you are encouraged, strengthened, and experienced the presence of God through this message by Max Johnson. What a great way to start a day, worshiping the King Woo. with friends and family. Can you guys see this picture? So I get to see this every time I open my iPad, we call it Cranky Isla, and uh... It's a face she used to make regularly. She can't do it anymore because she's not not good at being cranky anymore. The joy of the Lord hit her. Uh, um, I'm going to continue sharing about the glorious church. Yes, she's beautiful. The first idea I had that I'm not going to do because I couldn't figure out how it would work would be to get like cardboard cutouts of my wife and my son and my friend, and my boss, and then have everybody say all the terrible things that the church says about each other, but I was gonna make you say it at my wife, at my son, at my boss, and at my friend, and, and have us as like a family see what that might make Jesus feel like, to hear the way that we talk about one another, to feel the fear and terror you might experience Criticizing my wife to my face, <laughs> but for some reason we feel like it's okay to do it on Facebook. And starting out heavy. Sorry, didn't realize it was gonna feel like that. I, uh, but I'm not gonna do that. And um, it's the glorious church. She's beautiful. She's his wife. We're his kids. We're his priests. We're his friends. We're his slaves. We're his servants. The main verse I'm going to share on this morning is Ephesians 3.10. It says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. And that word manifold wisdom means multicolored wisdom. That's my theme verse. I'm going to kind of touch in and out of it through the whole time. But I wanted, I actually was reminded during your offering message uh, of don't say anything. You guys remember when Steve Backlin came and his ministry is all about intentionally declaring and like say truth, speak truth. He's got his clicker, say 100 true things a day, get your mouth to agree with what heaven says. Well, I left that conference and the only thing the Lord told me was learn how to shut your mouth. Now, he might not talk to you that way, but he knows I love to be rebuked. I love, um, I love strong leadership, and I like when he talks to me directly. It makes me feel comforted because I grew up in a home. My story is I grew up in a home with no input from leaders. I just did whatever I was doing and did it alone. And so when somebody cares enough to get in my face, I really appreciate it. So I think that's a lot of why the Lord talks to me that way, but... He said, I want you to learn how to shut your mouth. And so I, my, the greatest weapon I've been using for the last three or four months, maybe three months, I don't know how long ago it was that he was here, is to just be quiet. In certain moments, I just, where I would have used to say something or I would have expressed myself, now I'm just quiet. And uh, my wife, I think, would testify. It's been a good thing. <laughs> Amen. She's smiling, yeah. All right, so... I want to start with, this is something I was already going to um, do prior to preparing for this week, and it was to bring up something that I shared a couple of weeks ago. I, I think it was during an offering message, and uh, Rachel led in worship, and she started pro- um, prophesying through song uh, all about the Lord being like a potter, and us being marred in his hands, and, then, and but he's fixing all the cracks, and he's repairing the brakes, and you guys remember that? And I got up and I I told y'all that um, some of you needed to get saved again. And through feedback, because I'm connected to people, I was told that it could have been interpreted or it could have been heard that I was saying, you need to be saved again, like you need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. You need to confess your sins and repent and have faith in God so that you can go to heaven. So I wanted to start this morning to clarify that that's not what I was intending to say. I don't actually believe that we get saved multiple times. But it's a really cool segue into what I what I believe the Lord is going to share today on what happens when we get we get rooted in partial truths and we can we can get planted in 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 true things, but it's not the full picture. And so What I was sharing from a couple weeks ago is Psalms 88, verse 1. And it says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. And I would reaffirm that I do believe, even after you have a salvation experience, we're saved by grace through faith, that we confess our faith in Jesus. It says that when we believe with our heart and we speak with our mouth, we're saved in Romans. That that is an event. That is an experience. That's something that happens one time. But even after salvation, even after being transferred from darkness into light, even being after, after being blood washed by his son and being made clean and righteous, there are still things in life that we need deliver, deliverance from. He is the delivered. The, the name Savior, it's Yeshua, and it means Savior or Deliverer. That's actually what his name is. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and he changes not. It's so cool to me that the name of God is beyond time. And it's, it, it, it goes through the scriptures. It's in the, the entire word of God. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, And that is what some of you were, but you were washed. Say were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus by Christ and the Spirit of God. That's past tense. You were saved. Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. You are being saved. Do you see it up there? Yeah. Romans 5 9 and 10, that's present. The Corinthians one is present tense. You're being saved. Romans 5 9 and 10 says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So it's true all the time for a believer that you were saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Because he is Yeshua. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He lives outside of time. It's beautiful to me. And the main the main emphasis that I feel like the Lord has this morning is the manifold wisdom of God, the multicolored wisdom of God. Now I'm using salvation as an example of how sects or segments of Christianity can get stuck in one revelation. So there are whole groups of Christians that believe that there is a day coming where Jesus will return. He is coming back, and when he comes back, all things will be made new. He will restore all things unto the Father. We will stand before God spotless and blameless. Amen? And there are whole cultures that are built around that truth. That is 100% true. That is not the only truth, though. It's also true that right now, you and I, if we're born again, we stand before God completely pure. We stand before God with a clear conscience. We come boldly into his presence right now, today, the same way that we will when Jesus returns. What ha- so I'm not trying to, to emphasize a, a, a revelation that I shared a couple weeks ago. I'm trying to use it as an example because we do this in every category of life. We split ourselves up into partial truths. And I'm going to share some of these because what, what the Lord said to me yesterday in the office is we are in a time of great polarity. It's obvious when you look at the political realm how divisive everything is becoming and people are getting more and more entrenched in their worldview or what they believe is truth. And I would, I would probably argue that most of the things that people are getting entrenched in are true they 're just a partial truth, and the the enemy wants black and white, but the Lord wants colors. The Lord wants a multicolored wisdom to be revealed through the church, not to the world but to principalities powers and to principalities and powers in heavenly places and so I want to talk through some of these main categories just that came to mind there are probably hundreds of them but some that we can connect with because i i want to create a culture i want to help create a culture where we don't just Im- tolerate being different we actually crave the differences and celebrate them i think that we have settled i'll I'll speak for myself i won't put you in this box but i'll let you agree with me if you're in the box I think that I have settled for unity being tolerating the presence of things that are different. So, in my mind, we're unified if I'm, if I'm connected to people that are different. And what I felt the Lord challenging me in my heart was that unity is not just tolerating differences and coexisting together. You don't actually have unity until you celebrate differences and there's something inside of you that craves what someone else has through honor, love, and humility. I actually am getting an understanding on core values and how if you have the wrong core value at the foundation, it can create divisiveness. We need the right core values, and I believe our apostle has picked love, honor, and humility because what they do is they pull all of the value systems into a family, and that is the expression of the kingdom of heaven on the planet. How many of you love Dave Ramsey? I love Dave Ramsey. People are nervous because I'm, I don't know. Is he, you know, <laughs> Woo! I love Dave Ramsey. I love his ministry. I love that he, I think it's over a billion dollars that his influence has helped lead people out of over a billion dollars of debt. That's awesome. <clears throat> If you only have Dave Ramsey's voice in your head for finances, you may believe that debt is sin. Now, he doesn't actually teach that. He does, I've never heard him say debt is sin. I've heard him say run away from it like a gazelle. You know, like it's, or as a gazelle, like running away from the lion, run away from debt because that thing's going to kill you. He uses the... Um, it's from Deuteronomy. It's, one of the, it's part of the blessing of Abraham that you and I have, are partakers in as Christians. Oh my goodness, your kids are cute. They don't warn you family Sunday is extremely distracting. <laughs> Not because of their noises. They're just so cute. Um, so you and I are partakers in the covenant with Abraham. and Deuteronomy 28 verse 12 says, The Lord will bless you. The Lord will open up to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You'll be the lender and not the borrower. That's like a thing that we talk about all the time. So if Dave is the only financial voice in your head, you might have a belief system that debt is sin. So... The scriptures teach the covenant will make us the lender and not the borrower. If debt is sin, God would not be allowed to let us participate in that system. That's like saying, I'm going to make you the drug dealer and not the drug user. So I love Dave Ramsey. I'm pro-Dave Ramsey. If you are in debt over your head, if you've been, I say this in love, if you've been foolish with your finances and you've lived the American dream on your credit cards, he's probably the guy you want to listen to more than anybody. Because debt will kill you. <laughs> it, will, it will rob and steal from the God life that he wants to give you. And what Dave is communicating is integrity and discipline and structure to help break that mold off of your life so that you can actually be trusted with abundance. Because money doesn't make your life easier, it makes your life bigger. And if you're, if you're stressed out financially right now, when you add a couple zeros, you'll be more stressed out. You won't have peace, you'll have more stress. So Dave is a great teacher. That is, so that's one area where we split into segments based on having a truth, but only a partial truth communicated to us. Kingdom over family. This is kind of the crux of what got me thinking along this line was Apostle Kathy and I had a conversation a couple months ago and am I holding this thing up right now? Um, We were talking about how we had this, we both were feeling the sense separately that the kingdom message has been communicated. I would say the kingdom message is the one that's been shouted for the last 10 years within the church. The kingdom of heaven is at hand the kingdom of heaven it's about demonstrating and expanding the kingdom of heaven upon the earth and i 100% agree with that message if you boil down if you summarize the message of jesus christ it is the king repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand everything that he taught if you have to boil it down to its core message that is the message but what we were sharing about what we were sensing and feeling was that the kingdom message being the only message that has been shared it's been shared in in the context of it's not about church it's not about Sundays it's about the kingdom it's about outside the four walls it's about demonstrating miracles signs and wonders to your neighbors it's amen that's a good message that's true the effect that we were praying into or just sharing our burden that we were feeling was the effect of that is that it's actually minimized the value of the corporate assembly. It's actually pulled away from the necessity of us coming together as a family and encouraging one another as the scriptures teach. Hebrews 10, 22 to 25 says, says, so let's do it. I think this is the message version, so if it's different, forgive me. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging, in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together, as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Hebrews 10. Don't avoid worshiping together. This is a message that has not been shouted for 10 years, in my opinion. That there is something unique, necessary, holy, that only gets released through corporate gathering. It is not about Sunday in this building, primarily. It is about the collective church coming together and worshiping together. And this community... We have chosen that we are going to set a structure aside, and Sunday, it's kind of planned, like we're going to come together. Now, is that cultural? Did we get that from our fathers? It doesn't really matter to me, to be honest. (laughs) Romans talks about, it's not about one day over the other. We could pick Tuesday, it wouldn't matter. It probably would take us a while to get a few hundred people all regulating around Tuesday instead of Sunday. So it's just kind of easier. Let's just keep it Sunday. Most of us work Monday through Friday. But we have chosen to set this time aside to gather together. Now you might think I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm, I felt challenged in it. That the kingdom message has actually deterred or limited my value for this. The context of Jesus preaching the kingdom of heaven was 13 guys, 12 apostles plus Jesus. It was 13 guys living together 24 hours a day for over three years. That's the context that he is communicating. It's not about the four walls. They had three meals a day together. They slept under the same tent. They smelled dirty feet. They might have shared toothbrushes. Lori does not want my toothbrush. Her face just told me. (laughs) But they were intimately knit together. That is the context that the kingdom of heaven is at hand was given to apostles in. And the Lord wants to restore a value for the corporate gathering. The context is we are actually doing real life together. We're raising our children together. We're accountable one to another. We submit one to another. A couple other areas that I thought of were um, when sonship is trumpeted over service. When's the last time you heard a message on being a soldier in the house of God, in the army of God? Probably when Leon was here. If sonship is elevated and there aren't the other realities of the gospel presented, I believe what you get is hedonism. (sighs) You get an entitlement spirit where people are taught and encouraged to feel good in the presence of God. And that becomes the chief aim, is as a son, we come to gather and worship for how how it makes us feel. I want the glory. I want the goosebumps. We want more of you. What's that song? Pour it out. We want... Do you know what I'm talking? Set a fire. Sing it. I don't know the word. Down. Yeah. Yeah, that one. I want more of you, God. I want more. I want to feel good, God. (laughs) That was funny, wasn't it, Clem? I love you. I want to feel better. I want to not be anxious about my money. I want more of you, God. All my relationships are a mess. Please fix them for me so I can sleep at night. I want more of you, God. Because I'm a son. (laughs) (laughs) We're also soldiers in the house of God where we've come to war. We've actually come to die. This actually has nothing to do with me or you. It has to do with him being glorified and lifted high and seen in the earth. So justice over truth is another one. Justice over mercy. When truth is exalted over love and restoration you get a, a community of people that wanna be right. I mean, abortion, I, I actually, oh, I, I haven't thought this one through and I feel like I'm gonna step on a lot of toes. So I wanna make sure I actually agree with what I think I'm gonna say. I don't, when justice is elevated over mercy, It created an environment, I believe, where Roe v. Wade being overturned couldn't be celebrated because there's still an issue. Justice hasn't been served. And so we can't actually party. Roe v. Wade is like a miracle. Like I got born again where thousands of people prayed and fasted for thousands of hours to see that thing overturned. It overturned and it felt like the whole church went, yeah, whatever. Maybe this is just me, so please. It feels like the whole church went, yeah, it's not a big deal (laughs) because there's still a lot, you know, still a lot of problems and I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I just feel like there needs to be a party. Like that's a big deal. And justice being the chief aim didn't let us celebrate because everything wasn't perfectly right afterwards. My oldest son, who I love dearly, is wired that way. He's black and white. It's right or wrong. It's, and we will <sighs> vehemently go back and forth in our home. My whole point this morning is that God wants a multicolored wisdom. So I've taken a lot of time to explain what I see as these are examples of variety that I don't actually believe are bad. I'm not, what I'm not communicating is that if you're wired in a certain way, you need to change. That will not work. Changing your identity in Christ, becoming a different person, turning off the nature of God that you most gel with will not work. It's not about I'm not trying to inspire a culture where we all become different. I want to inspire a culture where we all love the differences. We actually need the differences. Evan, you're an example in my life. You don't know this, but I have been asking God to connect me to missionaries for about a year and a half. Um, and you have, you have been one of the most confrontational, challenging relationships I've had over the last six months. In, in my life. And I love every moment of it. Like I'm jealous for the time that I get to spend with you because you and I are wired very different. God has put me in a position where if I'm not connected to ministry, to, to service, to missions, I am very aware I'm going to get off. I know it. I felt the warning from the Lord about a year and a half ago. If I'm not connected to people that are connected to the, the needs of the world, that have a core, not just connected to it, have a core value of serve the poor, I will get off. I need you. Like, I don't tolerate your presence. I jealously covet the way that you see God. And I'm saying that to you not to elevate Evan, but to it's a picture like you need, the person you need the most in your life is the person that's different than you. It's the person that it takes the most work to spend extended time with because you are wired so differently. You have such different core values, such different emphasis through your life. But Evan and I have honor, love, and humility, or at least we've experienced that with one another, where whatever happens and we come back to, we love the king, and we are running this race together. And God wants... His intention, the thing that he wants, is the manifold wisdom of God that it might be made known by the church to principles and powers in heavenly places. Manifold means much variegated, marked with a great variety of colors. And wisdom means, it's a wisdom that's not just like intelligence. It's a broad, deep knowledge of everything. Proverbs 18:1 says a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all wise judgment. If you leave that up there, isn't it interesting that a man who isolates himself rages against wisdom? And Ephesians says the way that God wants to communicate wisdom is through a multicolored variety. I, I want us as a community not to point our fingers at those that have isolated themselves or those that do isolate or, or the denominational thing. Like, God loves the denominations. They have different expressions, and they need each other, I believe. And part of this apostolic restoration to the church is you're going to actually— I've already seen it. Carrie just left to a Reformed church, right? It's a, is it a Reformed church? Okay. Yeah, but I think it, maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was, but they're spirit-filled and they're going after miracles. If they're not, I have Baptist friends. Uh, They're they're full-blown Baptist and they're praying for the sick in their services. Like this is normal now. You're gonna start to see stuff that used to be separated by denominations. It's not anymore. We're all gonna start to look a lot more unified than you might think. And you might be surprised if you go visit other congregations or other cultures. It's all starting, not to look the same, but the varieties are starting to be expressed in every culture, in every congregation, because God is exalting this multicolored wisdom. And the church is saying yes to it. So, I think, what do I want to do now? I think I want to lead us in repentance. Not the um, cry before the altar and weep and feel bad. <laughs> that, that can be repentance. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just changing the way that we think. Repentance. Where if you feel like you can say, my definition of unity has been tolerating differences but it isn't actually celebrating and craving people in my life that operate differently than me. I want you to stand up because I want to pray for a grace to be released over us where we would actually willingly look for people that are wired different. People that, just being clear, Okay. So Lord, we I just say right now, God, that I surrender uh, my need to be right. Lord, that that love, honor, and humility would be the most important core values. Lord, that we would um, let go of our fear of ag- agreement, meaning we're losing a part of ourselves, or running together with people that are different, meaning that we have to lose a part of ourselves, or or change a part of ourselves, or or minimize or like squash a portion of who we are. But that in your wisdom, God, you would allow a multicolored wisdom to be expressed in and through this community. God, I th- I pray for divine partnerships that help extend and express who you are in the earth in multiplication. Lord, that as we partner, as one puts a thousand to flight and two put 10,000 to flight, that as this partnership starts to grow among us, that it actually multiplies the grace and the influence of your kingdom here on the earth. Lord, I prophesy over uh, Jubilee that that, uh, is that a school center? That that thing will be paid for in Jesus' name, God, I ask that you would raise up um, funders and donors that would partner with the vision to see children discipled in the things of God to change their world through music, through politics, through business, through all the, all the gifts and the calls that you have on those kids. And Lord, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for the uniqueness that you have given them. And God, I pray that this morning it, they would feel a sense of... Um, of joy and of permission to be exactly who they are, and the grace and the security to celebrate who others are around them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.